Blog Talk Radio. Patient sex opened his eyes. Thorne got a new face. There's a lot going on in the soaps this week, and we're going to be talking all about it right after the opening song. Wednesday. Who knew we would end up doing a Wednesday podcast? I can certainly say that as of about an hour ago, I didn't know because I wasn't planning on doing one, but uh, I had an opening in my schedule and I thought, you know, there's a lot going on. Let's do this then. Now, I should warn you that uh, if you are listening live, you might want to call in and listen to the show on your phone. And the reason I say that is apparently when I set this podcast up at the last minute, I set it for a 15-minute podcast, which means in 13 minutes and 28 seconds, we're going to lose the stream. So um, if you're listening in the archive, you don't have to do anything. You're fine. If you're listening live, you might want to call in uh, either now or in about 10 minutes to uh, 714 868-0749, because um, in about 10 minutes, the stream will uh, cut off, but the show will go on, as they say. The show will go on until 8 o'clock tonight. If you've got comments or questions or opinions, you know I always want to hear them, and my number here is 714-868-0749. We do have people on, on um, listening in, but um, at this point, I do not believe any of them actually are, uh, I think they're just listening. They don't necessarily want to come on the show. If you do want to come on the show, either send me a note in the chat room or uh, put the, uh, I believe you push one in the queue and it'll give me a little signal that you actually are looking to come on and talk. Uh, Lots going on, lots to talk about. uh, And, uh, Hopefully it won't be just me talking, and if that becomes the case, well, then maybe we will let the stream end in 12 minutes and 15 seconds. Again, the number is 714-868-0749 if you want to join me on the air and tell me what you're thinking about the, uh, uh, the latest developments in the soap world. But first, let's dive right in and talk about those developments. So after much... Uh, let's say, publicity and a lot of talk. Uh, Steve Burton finally debuted uh, last week as Patient Six, as he is known. Uh, Most people think he is Jason, and with good reason. I mean, uh, the first thing that he did was write down a phone number, which turned out to be Sonny's private line. At first, people, when uh, when Patient Six handed Ava the phone number, people were like, well, why wouldn't Ava recognize Sonny's phone number? But they, they did a good job of having Sonny explain to Brick that the phone number was a very private line, only a very few people had it, uh, um, and that explained why Ava did not recognize the number, but of course it raises the question of why patient six had it. The assumption is, of course, that uh, patient six is, not only looks like Steve Burton's Jason, and we will be seeing his face very soon, uh, but that he actually is 
Steve Burton's Jason. Now, I'm not 100% convinced of that. I am also not 100% convinced that even if they tell us uh, that he is Jason, and even if they, you know, we, we bring him back to Port Charles and we start uh, having people interact with him as if he is Jason, I am not 100% sure that that will prove to be the case. Because let's, let's face it, this would not be, if they decided six months down the line or a year down the line to flip the script and have it turn out that it's actually a surgically altered Nicholas or any other, you know, there, there's a whole cast of characters for uh, who it could be, including a complete stranger, that would not be unusual for General Hospital. Let's face it, Helena has done that um, to people in the past, you know, uh, when, when Lucky died in a fire and he came back with a different face, although they, they, they did not say that he had a different face. We were supposed to look at him and see the same face, but, uh, but people in Port Charles aren't always what they seem. Sometimes they wear masks, not masks, sometimes they wear masks. Sometimes they wear masks, which they rip off, and those masks somehow manage to alter their height and their weight and even their, uh, the way they speak and what we hear. Uh, sometimes people have doubles, like Anna and her sister most recently. So just because they lead us to believe that it is Jason, and even if they tell us that it is Jason, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's so. I do, however, think that they should try and get Steve Burton and Patient Six to Port Charles ASAP, because as much fun as it's been watching him interact with Anna, uh, Anna with Ava, uh, that is about to come to an end. We're going to move him on to the next phase of this story very quickly. But the important phase of this story really starts once Patient Six gets in Port Charles, and we see him interacting with the people who will recognize him as Jason, whether or not he is Jason. They're going to look at him and see Jason. So that's the big thing. Now, the other big news that came out this week, um, and I think, you know, in this business, uh, we often refer to casting shockers. And a lot of times, I'll be honest, they're not necessarily shocking. You know, like, Steve Burton, casting shocker? Not really. I mean, everybody kind of thought that there was a pretty good chance sooner or later he would come back to The Young and the Restless, I mean, back to General Hospital. Uh, if eventually he returned, decided to go back to YNR, that might be a bigger shock just because that character didn't necessarily, Dylan didn't really work all that great. I think toward the end, he became a great character and they gave him a good storyline and that storyline was kind of awesome. But, uh, but as a whole, the character didn't necessarily work all that well. So it would be sort of shocking to me if he went back to YNR. Um, but there was a piece of news that broke this week that literally people in our newsroom at Soaps in Depth magazine stopped and said, wow, that's shocking. By the way, did I even introduce myself tonight? I don't think I did. Most of you probably know because, I mean, you're here and you're listening. But in case you don't, I'm Richard. I'm the executive editor at Soaps in Depth magazine. I am also the uh, I like to call myself the tweet master general. When you read tweets, uh, when I, when, when, when most of the tweets on our two Twitter feeds, Soaps in Depth CBS and Soaps in Depth ABC, 90, I'd say 99% of them, maybe 98% of them are coming from me. Anything related to the website does not come from me. Our website and um, tweets relating to it are from a completely different division that um, we don't even share the same office. Uh, they're in a completely different space in every way, shape, or form. Anyway, that's who I am. But when this piece of news broke, a genuine shock went through our office, and that was Ingo Rademacher being cast as Thorn on The Bold and the Beautiful. I think it is safe to say that 
absolutely no one saw that coming. And I mean no one. You know how whenever uh, a, a big storyline twist, you know, happens on a soap, you'll always have people out there, always, who said, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. That was predictable. I feel 100% safe saying that no one predicted that uh, The Bold and the Beautiful would suddenly announce that Ingo Rademacher, uh, best known as Jax on General Hospital, although for me, he'll always be, I don't remember the character name, but he will always be from Primetime's Titans, for anybody who remembers that short-lived Primetime soap. That was one of my favorites, even though I can't remember his name, who he played on it. Uh, I want to say Jack, but I don't think that's right. That would be too weird, that Jack, Jax, thing. that would just be weird. Also, Am I the only person who, when they say Jax, immediately thinks of Jax from Vanderpump Rules, which I don't want to because I think that show is kind of <laughs> really gross and weird, but I hear Jax, that's what I think of. Anyway, no one could have predicted Windsor Harmon being, uh, and, and weirdly, Windsor Harmon was basically the one to announce it. He was the one who said, you know, Brad Bell uh, spoke to me and they are recasting Thorne. And I do think it was really cool of, of Brad Bell to reach out to Windsor personally so that Windsor didn't find out, you know, via Twitter. And then the next news was that Ingo Rademacher would be playing Jax. This, oh, Jax, I keep doing that. Thorn, 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 Thorn. Uh, this is rather unusual news in that I think uh, I, I try, I'm trying to think who they will pair him with. Obviously, Thorne has a history with Brooke, uh, so that's one possibility. Uh, it's, it's kind of weird to try and recreate the Ridge-Brooke-Thorne era when both Ridge and Thorne are now played by different actors. And, by the way, both have accents that they didn't used to have. You know, like, that's, that's just a little weird. Um, but that seems the most obvious choice. You could also, I could also see them pairing uh, Ingo with Heather Tom, who plays Katie, but I feel like the, the Katie-Wyatt thing is working really well right now. Uh, the other thing that is happening on Bold and Beautiful that's kind of interesting is watching as Bill and Steffi are clearly circling each other. Now, there is a group of fans, the Still fans, you know, when you squish names together, Steffi and Bill become Still. Uh, okay, again, honesty here. Steffi and Bill have not played really together in a long time. Um, some folks will remember that several years ago there was a point where they almost got together. They were like making out and they probably would have had sex, but they were interrupted by, I believe, Taylor or maybe, no, it's probably Katie. Katie interrupted them because uh, that was when Katie and Bill were a thing. And um, ever since then, there has been a small but vocal part of the audience that has been like, you know, if you mention Bill or you mention Steffi, they immediately are like, put those happy together. They are hardcore shippers of this couple. And it's hard to be a hardcore shipper of a couple that hasn't actually played on air as even close to a couple in several years. But those people hung in there. And I think they are finally going to get their payoff because if you are watching, it certainly appears that uh, Bill and Steffi are heading for a... Uh, well, it's a hookup at the very least. I mean, you know, it doesn't take a lot to see what's going on here. Steffi is not being particularly supportive of Liam uh, as Liam has taken over his father's company 
Uh, I've really enjoyed I have to say, you know, I'm a big fan of Don Diamond. I think that he has done an amazing job in creating the character of, uh, of Dollar Bill Spencer. And one of the things he's done that's particularly amazing is I do not see Brad Carlton. I do not see uh, uh, Carlos, the character he played on Days of Lives. I don't see anybody but Dollar Bill when I look at him. And that is a hard thing for an actor to do when they've been really well, you know, established as a certain character for a long period of time. So, you know, major kudos to him. But when you put Don Diamond, Darren Brooks, and Scott Clifton, any combination of those three in a scene, you are guaranteed to have a pretty good time. Watching, I think it was yesterday, they had uh, they had Wyatt and Bill going at each other, and they were just, they were just, it was just good television. It was fun, and these actors really, really clearly enjoy what they're doing and enjoy working together. So that is just good fun. But uh, it's been pretty obvious that Steffi and Liam's marriage is going to hit a little roadblock, especially now that Pearson Bode's Thomas has exited the canvas, and Sally is sitting out there. They, you know, they, they could have taken that opportunity to write Sally off and send her, you know, to uh, send her off with Thomas. But they've invested a lot in the, the whole story of the Spectra family returning. And so I don't think they were wanting to do that. And while I wasn't necessarily high on the idea of Liam and Sally, the second they put them in orbit together, I got into it. I should warn you, if you're listening not on the phone, if you're listening to the stream, you're going to lose it in 90 seconds. Um, feel free to give, listen in on your phones by calling 714-868-0749, or I will link the show in uh, once the show has been archived and you can listen to the rest of the show. Uh, but if, if you are listening to the stream, because I accidentally said it for 15 minutes, or maybe, maybe Blog Talk just decided I was only worth 15 minutes tonight, the show is going to um, vanish for you in 60 seconds. If you want to continue listening, you can dial 714-868-0749 or listen in the archive. Um, so that's those are the days of our lives. We're heading toward a huge reveal. I think it is not a big secret that this double wedding is about to hit a major snag, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Sonny Kyriakis is getting ready to marry uh, his partner, Paul. I have to admit, I don't remember Paul's last name. Um, I, I, I know, I think it starts with an end, but I don't remember his last name. At the same time, Chad and Abby, who um, were married before, are getting married again. It's a big double wedding. But there is a big, 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 massive, huge wrench about to be thrown into the mix. And uh, I don't, if you don't want to know, Close your ears for the next 10 seconds, okay? Because here comes a big spoiler alert. Ben is about to show up at the wedding. Um, I feel safe in saying that because while it is a spoiler, I mean, it's everywhere. It's out there. It's, everybody knows that uh, uh, his portrayer is coming back. Uh, the, the big question becomes, with him showing up at the wedding, who actually winds up tying the knot? There are two couples getting married. Do both couples get married? Does one couple get married? Do neither couple get married? And that's good fun soap. So that's um, something to look forward to over the next couple of days as the wedding and the chaos begins to play out. I'm a big fan of what Ron Carlobati has been doing at Days of Our Lives. Um, I, I, I think Sheila, the character who was introduced as uh, she, she went to, she was in jail with Bonnie and Bonnie is of course now pretending to be Adrian and living in the Kyriakis mansion. And here comes 
uh, uh, Sheila, who is forced to pretend to be the maid, and it's just flat out fun. Clearly, this is working because they they and they realize that it's working because they they this week revealed that she knows Eli, so they're showing Sheila interacting with more of the canvas. I think that's um, a, a really guaranteed good time. I'm very much enjoying that, and I think from what I see on Twitter that viewers are as well. Um, I've seen a lot of really positive reaction to that. Of course, Days is in that weird situation that has gotten them in trouble in the past, and that is they tape so far in advance that uh, that if something goes off the rails, you know, it's it's quite a while before, even if they recognize it when it hits the airwaves, it's quite a while before they can actually correct that situation. And that can be problematic. The, the one way that that works in your favor is if your writer is, is on fire and you as a show have complete faith in what you're doing. And I think that right now, I, I mean, I certainly have complete faith in what, what um, Ron Carlevati is doing at Days of Our Lives right now. Um, I have not really seen anything that I thought was a, you know, like, that I thought was bad. I think he's, he's done a great job of addressing some of the story problems that it's, that it had coming into his tenure, some of the uh, 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 bad stories that were on the canvas they're sort of moving away from. He's found fun ways of keeping things moving. The pace is great. It'll be interesting to see the next phase because the first phase of any writer coming in is sort of dealing with the storylines you were left and starting to maneuver to put your own stories into position. Once you have done that, the, 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 the big thing then becomes, um, you know, moving into your own stories, moving, moving, putting the pieces in place to tell the stories that you want to tell as opposed to the stories that you've inherited. Clearly, that's been, you know, we've been seeing that for a while. We're going to see more and more of that. Um, looking at the breakdowns, um, talking to the actors that we've spoken to over the last few weeks, um, and of course, we're doing interviews with them about stuff that they taped ages ago. They're really excited. They really love the material they're getting. The scripts are on fire. So I'm really, uh, I would say right now, Days of Our Lives is probably the soap that I'm really stoked for. I really am enjoying it every day. One in our, uh, the final soap that we have not yet talked about, is in a little bit of a rough place for me right now. Um, I feel like it's treading water. And part of that is, you know, we are coming to the end of Sally Sussman's writing tenure. Her, her, her stuff is still airing. October 25th is the date to watch. That is sort of the changeover date. In much the same way that we were looking forward to Ron Carlovati's material beginning to air on Days of Our Lives, October 25th is when we officially begin seeing Mal Young's material start airing on, uh, on, on The Young and the Restless. This will be interesting on a couple of levels. For one thing, he is already currently executive producer of The Young and the Restless. Um, and he will now be taking on the head writer position. That's, a, that, that's, while on the one hand you say, well, that's only two hats, and many people have two jobs. <laughs> you know, um, I'm sure a lot of you have two jobs. But those are two really big, really full-time jobs. And I kind of feel as if that is not a bad thing. It's not as if, on the one hand, you're the cook and you're also the, um, I don't know, person taking out the garbage. And, you know, you don't want your cross-contamination there. That would be kind of gross. These two jobs, the executive producer and the head writer, go hand in hand. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's probably one of the most important partnerships that you can have on a soap is that of the head writer and the executive producer. So it, it, it seems like, you know, if you are already sort of the head honcho of the show from an executive producer point of view, stepping in and, and taking almost complete control of the show as far as the vision that seems like it could be a natural fit. I'm a big fan of Mel Young's. I've spoken to him several times, as you guys know. Um, and I'm, um, he's, I, I want to speak to him right now. I'd like to talk to him before his material starts airing. But um, I'm trying to set that up. He's really crazy busy, obviously, right now, because he is doing both of these jobs. Uh, but I'm, I'm a big fan of his work. I'm a big fan of EastEnders, a show that he came from that a lot of you are familiar with. It's, it's one of the most you know, crazy popular shows, uh, soap opera overseas, that uh, airs in England. And if you get, um, a lot of you can get it here. We get it on our local PBS station. It's, it's pretty far behind, but you can get it. You can also find it on the internet. And um, EastEnders has always been a show that is sort of more based in reality, more based in family, more based in relationship dramas. And to me, that is the heart of Young and the Restless. That is what the Young and the Restless does well. I don't think that the Young and the Restless does um, um, sort of action adventure stories well. This sex ring story is a great example of a story that doesn't really work on the Young and the Restless. It's just not something they do well. And in this case, it's even more problematic because it involves a lot of newbies. You know, nobody cares about Zach. Nobody really cares about Crystal. Nobody cares about, um, we, we like Tessa, but we really want to see Tessa like thinking about whether or not to make out with, you know, oh, do I make out with Noah or do I make out with his sister? Because that's, that's the storyline I think we're invested in as opposed to the sex ring. So it'll be interesting to see um, what direction Mal Young takes, what characters he brings to the fore, who he decides to uh, back burner, because that is always sort of my favorite thing is seeing, I like seeing how a uh, head writers, how they influence. The, the canvas. I like saying, you know, it's, it's very tempting on their first day to be like, well, let's see what they do. But you really have to give it a couple of weeks to really get the sense of what they're doing. One of the first positive signs I got about um, Mal Young is that Doug Davidson, who to me is sort of one of the core characters, um, core actors and characters on The Young and the Restless. Paul is a character that a lot of longtime viewers love. Um, Doug Davidson is an actor that, you know, is really solid and we really care about. The fact that Doug Davidson, you know, was excited about um, Mal Young's material, he tweeted about it a couple weeks ago, that really, that's a, that's a good, strong message to me. That's because, because Doug has not been quiet. Uh, he hasn't been shy about pointing out things that he thinks aren't working or things that he thinks um uh, the legendary Bill Bell would have liked or not liked. Uh, oh, speaking of Twitter, I almost completely forgot. So, you guys know I spend a lot of time on Twitter. I mean, I, you know, I, I live tweet the shows whenever possible on either Soaps and Death CBS or Soaps and Death ABC. And I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm pretty opinionated. I've been known to have a hater or two. There may even be a hater or two listening in the audience right now because sometimes, you know, you know, I can listen to the people that you hate. Um, but I try and be really careful about not getting into things that you know are going to like get you in trouble. And um, 
as you may have seen over tw on Twitter over the last couple of days, Tanya Walker has kind of gotten herself into a little bit of trouble. Um, Twitter as a whole can be a little unforgiving. Soap Twitter can be, how do I put this? <laughs> um, soap Twitter can be a bitch. Y'all can be nasty. Um, I'm sure none of you. I'm sure you're all wonderful, lovely human beings, because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this show. But um, Tanya earlier this week sort of stated some opinions that um, rubbed people the wrong way and uh, and then made it worse by saying some things that she probably shouldn't have said in attempts to defend what she had previously said. And as a result, she's um, sort of, I don't know, she may just leave Twitter. She's, she sort of has expressed a, a <laughs> she sort of knows that she's put her foot in it. And she's, honestly, I feel bad for her because she is, um, I don't feel bad for her, how to put this? I feel bad about the fact that people are attacking her and she feels attacked. Um, that's a really hard position to be in. If you've ever been on Twitter and said the wrong thing, um, you know what it's like. It's, it, it can be vicious. And it's very hard to be on the receiving end of that. I've had it happen many times. I have received, you know, death threats. And it's weird to me that anybody would send a death threat over, um, the, over a difference of how a storyline should play out or how a couple should, or what couple should be paired together. But I have them on the receiving end of that, and it's messed up. This is not the same thing. She stepped her foot into some political stuff that maybe she shouldn't have, and I'm sure she regrets now. But no matter what it is, it's hard to be on the receiving end of a lot of hatred coming to you via Twitter. And that's where she is right now. Um, I mean, to the point where there are people out there who are sort of campaigning, um, uh, she's made no secret that she would love to come back to general hospital and step back into the role of Olivia Jerome, Julian's sister. Uh, and there are people out there who are actively campaigning, you know, to tell ABC, do not do that because she has, um, stirred the waters so much. Speaking of the Jeromes, uh, Julian Jerome, he will be back on our campus before long. William DeBry, of course, had an extended period where he was, they sent the character of Julian to prison um, because, and, 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 and the last time we saw him, he was being sent off to prison, having said goodbye to Alexis, because he, um, and, and then the reason behind all that was that William DeBry was in the middle of contract negotiations and they were not going well uh, for a little while, so the character had to be backburnered. And they didn't really know at the time when they sent him to prison, that, when they sent Julian to prison, not William DeBry. They really did not know whether or not, um, whether or not he would be coming back. So they sent him to prison for 15 to 25 years. Now, of course, we now know that their contract, the contract has, situation has been resolved and he will be coming back. Yay! Um, and we know now, thanks to Mr. DeBry himself saying, uh, I believe on Twitter, that he would be back on the set in October. Um, that's not too far away, but of course that still means that once he starts filming, and I think it's mid-October, I want to say like the 16th, once he starts filming, there is still uh, several weeks before he will be seen on screen. But rest assured, he is coming back. Meanwhile, don't think that Nancy Lee Grand's Alexis is going to be sitting there twiddling her thumbs waiting for Julian to come back. She hasn't had a lot to do right now, but she is 
let's just say that Alexis is going to be asked out on a date. Um, whether she decides to go on said date or not is uh, another matter. And, and, you know, it would be interesting, I think, to move her into a new place because what better than to have Alexis get involved in a new relationship, even though a big part of her will call it her heart, but that might not be the actual part, is uh, still obviously very much in love with Julian. Uh, oh, my signal is dropping here. Um, you know, guys, uh, I think we're going to end up uh, um, uh, calling it a night. Uh, the, the From the 15-minute time thing to my, my screen has now, I don't even know if I'm still broadcasting, to be honest. The thing is flashing and giving me bad messages. And uh, I, I hope that people on the phone lines have been able to, I'm going to assume you've been able to hear and that you haven't been sitting on hold for 36 minutes, unable to hear anything. Um, but it doesn't seem to be letting people actually come through if they want to um, signal me that they want to talk. Uh, and you've certainly listened to me babble for long enough. So I think we're going to call it a, a night for this week's show. Uh, I want to thank everyone who uh, very briefly has sat through me babbling for the last however long this has been. It feels like forever, but it's been 30 minutes. Okay, 30 minutes. That's a lot of me babbling. I want to thank you for listening, and um, we will hopefully on the next show have the system operating better so that it does its proper time and it, uh, and people can actually call in and talk to me and you don't have to just listen to me babble. For those of you who did listen to me babble, I hope you had a good time. I hope I made it worth your while and that we had some fun. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Sips in Depth ABC or Sips in Depth CBS. And you can find my personal account at How Rude Are You or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trophy, T-R-A-L-F-I-E. I'm your host, Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth, the twit, twit, tweet master general over there, and against my better judgment often, the podcaster. Have a great night, and remember, because it's Soaps, what do you have to do? That's right, tune in tomorrow.